and I, I would say on average across our three offices, we would typically roll with around like 60 search assignments. And we got down to maybe like three or four by mid-March. And those were some very dark days for me. I thought I had just bought the building uh, that we're that we're now in, and I didn't know how I was even going to pay the mortgage on that. I was worried I was going to have to lay everybody off. I thought I was just going to lose everything, and I was just sort of resigned to the fact that that this was out of my control and my business was crumbling. And man, those were some sleepless nights, and I'd wake up just sad and mad. Wow. And, but I think what happened is that once society started getting over this shock and people started trying to adapt to the new normal, companies started figuring out that they were going to have to sell their way out of this mess and that they were going to have to force commerce and yeah, they're going to do it over Zoom and over the phone, um, but it's changed things. And now we are, I mean, I'm hiring more recruiters now. I ended up... What's up, everyone? I'm Joe Lemon, and that was Adam Morris. He's the CEO of Sales First Recruiting, as well as Hiring Stent. Now, I love catching up with Adam. We don't talk nearly enough, but man... He's just really tapped into how sales is evolving. And clearly, as you heard through his quick story there, that at the very beginning of the pandemic, obviously most industries were hit hard, especially recruiting. Obviously, if you think about it, who's hiring when everybody's thinking about whether they're gonna be open or not. So he figured out early on that the way to get through this tough time and this period that everyone's going through is literally by force and selling your way through it. You have to really optimize what you what you have and make the most of it. So that's doing Zoom calls. That's through picking up the phone more, whatever, leveraging technology in, in any form that you can to try to generate and jump up business. And what was so great about this conversation that we really talk about a lot about his industry for sure. But we also tap into some of the, you know, just what what's happening throughout the whole space, multiple industries, multiple verticals about how people are growing their business. And it's through refining the sales process, less relying on the inbound activities, which makes a lot of sense to me because with the amount of content that's flowing out there these days, I mean, literally everybody has a microphone. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, the amount of content could be overwhelming. And how do you get it in front of people? And the part about content that I struggle with, and I'm sure other people do as well, based off the numbers I'm seeing, is producing is one thing, but distribution is a whole different battle. So instead of putting so much focus on creating content and distributing it, you might wanna tap it a little bit more into how do you go about making it happen and going out and getting it for yourself. So we get into a lot of that type of conversation, but I know you guys are really gonna get a lot from Adam. Adam has a, has a great sales background. And the best part about it, I love talking to people that aren't quote unquote uh, sales people or view themselves as sales people like myself. Uh, Adam has an English major background, but he just kind of fell into this over time and he obviously has a knack for it and knows how to effectively communicate. So with that said, guys, let's get into today's conversation with Adam Morris from Sales First Recruiting. Later. But dude, you sure. look good, man. You look good. You've been working out? Thanks. 
Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So how long has it been since you and I did our meeting or our first podcast? The first one had to happen over, it's been over a year and some change, a year and a couple months, I believe. And I think, do you remember, did you come out to my office in Tigard or were we in Southwest Portland? Tigard. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we've, uh, we've moved since then. Okay. And yeah, it's been a while, man. A lot's happened since then. And it's, uh, I mean, it's, you're right. Like it's hard to sort of, cause it was, it was in like February or March when everything sort of shut down and everyone yeah. started working from home and then they're all just waiting for summer to hit so we can get outside or at least those of us in, in the Northwest anyway. Same. Um, yeah. And it's, you're right. It's, it's very strange. There's like, memory confusion like times and stuff 100 percent, man so what's on the end of a man well you know what man i want to talk to you about how people are currently selling in this market with everything going on how do you yeah. really stay as a top performer with all the other challenges of life happening right so you just you can you can pretty much pick your poison of of what other external factors may be kind of hitting you directly oh yeah yeah, big time. Um, so you want me to hit on that and then we can talk about some of the stuff working in, in the sales world? 100%. Let's start with that. So probably in, in late February, early March, I saw that we were losing around one job order about every four hours, like clockwork. And I, I would say on average across our three offices, we would typically roll with around uh, 60 reps at any time, like 60 search assignments, uh, not equally, just total. And, um, and we got down to maybe like three or four by mid-March. And those were some very dark days for me. I thought I had just bought the building uh, that we're that we're now in and I didn't know how I was even going to pay the mortgage on that I was worried I was going to have to lay everybody off I thought I was just going to lose everything and I was just sort of resigned to the fact that that this was out of my control and my business was crumbling and man those were some sleepless nights and I'd wake up just sad and mad wow. and but I think what happened is that once society started getting over this shock and people started trying to adapt to the new normal, companies started figuring out that they were gonna have to sell their way out of this mess and that they were gonna have to force commerce. And yeah, they're gonna do it over Zoom and over the phone, um, but it's changed things and now we are, I mean, I'm hiring more recruiters now. I ended up not laying anybody off. Wow. Um, yeah. Well, I did have to. Sorry. Let me let me clear that up. I did lay two people off, and then I offered both of them their jobs back a week later, um, a little less than a week later, because the PPP had gone through, and it it was exactly what I needed. Yeah. Um, and one of them accepted, one of them didn't. Um, but 
you know, I ended up replacing that person. And so we've actually grown since then in headcount because we're getting so busy. And I think it's because all these companies say, this is not necessarily going to come to us like it has over the past X amount of years. We have to go get it. So there's just more of um, more outbound sales occurring today than I think in previous years. That's a really interesting transition, my man. I mean, like trying to sell your way through this, this whole pandemic is something that I haven't heard uh, talked about a lot, honestly. And, you know, um, it makes tons of sense. As soon as you said, it, I'm like, absolutely, of course. <laughs> you, know, you know, how else would you get through this moment? Either you fold, right? And just say, all right, no one's coming to me. I'll just lay down and, let, and then let this happen. Um, is that what you guys had to do as well? Were like clients coming to you or did you guys have to do be uh, more outbound with it? Uh, both. Um, we, we spent a lot of time in, in outbound sales, a lot of prospecting and messaging and looking for jobs online. And the, it, the pickings were slim in the beginning, yeah. but then, but as companies started doing the same thing that we were trying to do, it just created more demand. And all of a sudden the phone started ringing and that was not something that I foresaw happening. Yeah. And there, now there's still a few industries that are, are still really suffering and don't really have the option of selling their way out of it, right? Like um, hospitality is still a mess. Um, restaurants, um, retail, all those industries mostly are not doing so great, although some have figured out ways to succeed. But... Um, manufacturing, uh, business services, software, all of them are figuring out that they're in more demand than they've ever been, especially software sales, because what happens when a company sends people home to do work? They need better technology to support it. They, instead of having water cooler talk, you need video conferencing and, and you need, um, you know, if you haven't invested in a CRM or if you hadn't yet, you probably panicked and got yourself one so that you can keep track of all this stuff while you work from home. And then something else crazy happened. Yeah. Companies are hiring people in all sorts of different states. They, they don't really care about where their workforce comes from now. And so we work with Gusto, uh, our payroll company. Yeah. And they're having all these delays because all these companies are having to get all like the different states payroll taxes like put into their system. And Gusto was like buried because this is happening across the nation. Everyone is trying to figure out how all these other states work for payroll taxes and stuff. I mean, man, I mean, it's if, a new you world. Think, if you think about it, it, it is, yeah, hundred percent. It, it is definitely a brand new world, man. And you know, the amount of opportunities that kind of spring up for those that are looking for them, it, it gets pretty interesting, right? Because um, I feel like you can easily get into this negative downward funnel of fear and, you know, drama and just mad hatred, whatever, you know, whatever dark path you want to walk down, right? They're open 100% for you these days. But but if you're looking, man, it's interesting to hear how the companies are finding their ways to kind of get their some get themselves out of it. You know, for the companies that are hiring, what are you noticing from them? Is it better leadership? Is it like, what's some, what's some, maybe some 
couple nuggets or a couple things that you've observed from the companies that are like growing during these times? Um, well, if, if it wasn't a very natural transition for them, mm -hmm. if it wasn't a really easy choice, um, then a lot of them had to make a big strategic decision to invest dollars sorry uh to invest dollars into their sales force maybe money that wasn't coming in right mm. and companies got ppp money some companies took eidl money some companies had reserves but a lot of these companies that are growing basically said we have to make the choice to grow and this pandemic will end at some point and we're either going to emerge stronger as a result of it or weaker. And maybe they have to spend money they didn't want to spend on growing the sales force with reduced sales, but they're going to do it anyway. So it's more of a forward thinking, bullish decision -making, um, aura, I guess. I love that. No, no, makes total sense to me, man. It, and, and so, cool. you know, talking about selling these days, What's some things that you're seeing in the whole sales world that is working for for reps? Because like even guy like myself, I was supposed to be in Portland next week, but I was like, I think I'm gonna pass and just kind of go a little bit east. <laughs> We're just a little less action going on right now. And I'll come back next month and let's see how it looks. But you know, what's some things that you're thinking that are that are really working for reps in the field right now? Uh or in virtually I'll I mean, tell you what I'm in the field, but that can go either way. <laughs> Yeah. So I'll tell you what I'm seeing, but I mean, I only see like a, a sliver of it. Right. But, um, there's a lot more creativity mm -hmm. mixed with automation, I think. So obviously sales automation is the big one that, I mean, there are so many sales automation companies right now where it, uh, you know, a, it helps you find a contacts, um, contact information. B it helps you, put together email campaigns so that you don't have to continually follow up and do it manually. Um, so there's tons of that. And then even um, like LinkedIn, for example, is letting you record video messages, yeah. right? And people tend to be a lot more open to hearing a sales message when you can see that it's a fellow human being sitting in front of you and, um, and there's, you can see that they're, that they're in their bedroom locked up just like you are, right? There's just a little bit of like human nature that comes across with it. 100%. Um, so, so, I mean, I don't know how widespread it is, but there's just a lot more creativity coming through. Um, and even for like these old school companies where it's all about feet on the street, uh, one of my peers in this networking group I, I belong to, she had her team driving through the city and seeing where buildings had lots of cars. <laughs> and I mean, it's like straight out of the 1990s, right? Like that stuff, that stuff that I did like really early in my career, but you sort of forgot about with, with how sales has progressed. And now that stuff is working again. And you can't go knock on their door and show up as a, you know, as a spreader of COVID, but you can certainly take notes and then go back and get in touch with them because you saw a collection of employees at an office. 
hundred percent. So stuff like that is what I'm seeing. No, no, you know, you know, um, I'm right there with you. Back to the basics, I think is 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 one of the biggest moves I've seen, and and the fact that I think prospects are open to more creative plays as well. Like, you know, I'm kind of looking at your background here. I love the fact that I can see the fridge a little bit, and and I can tell yeah. you're at the house, comfortable on a Friday, as you should be, <laughs> you know? I mean, I'm at my place doing this out of my room as well, pretty relaxed, you know, nothing nothing fancy. I got a wrinkled, like, T-shirt on, but I think people are really open to the fact that, hey, Joe's just being Joe and Adam's just being Adam, right? This is this is them in their element. And I it wonder- does, It does sort of humanize you, yeah. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, it's not Joe in his stuffy collar shirt or anything, and it's me just kind of relaxed. And, yeah. And I'm, I'm even curious whether that's changing my tone when I'm talking to people, right? Like, because they know that I know, and, but, and then vice versa, am I coming across a little bit more authentic because of that? And, and yeah, anyway, just kind of going down the path. But, but, yeah, I think that's really, really good observation by you. Yeah, I mean, I'm in my, I'm in my garage now, and I've got um, – got three of my boys us a friend's boy they're all doing schoolwork in there i got my dog taking a nap right next to me here and undoubtedly they will come and interrupt this meeting because they want something even though i already told them i was going to have a meeting and please don't interrupt and like everyone's going through that together yes yes yeah i mean i mean hands down is one of the one of one of the one of the greatest equalizers right everybody's everybody's in it with you (laughs) Nobody's fancy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't even matter. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So do you guys, even when you that- see a tie on in a meeting, Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Joe. No, 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 Go. I want you to finish that statement. Yeah. Uh, well, let's rewind a year. Somebody shows up to my office for an interview and bring a tie and little for the times, but it's nothing out of the ordinary. But today, if I do a Zoom interview and they're wearing a tie, I'm a little bit surprised because they probably went and put that tie on three feet away in their closet, right? And you just don't see it that much right now. So as a person that's talking to a lot of people going through that process of interviewing with different companies, like how should you show up? Does it matter if you show up in like a collar shirt or the tie? I mean, or is it just come as you are? We had a conversation internally, and we don't totally know the answer to that. There's one rule that tends to work pretty well, which is whatever you think the culture is of the company you're interviewing with, if you can go once above that. For example, if, if they were um, polos and khakis, you can wear um, a button-up shirt and khakis. If they were tie you can put on a jacket as well just just one up them just by a tiny bit so that you're not far apart from them and and i think that's what we tend to recommend to candidates right now but instead of telling candidates to do something we tend to more ask them what are your plans how do you want to dress for the zoom interview and then we'll ask them why and we tend to accept their answers and let them do it the way they want to because so many that aren't really right now or, or sorry um these norms really set yeah yeah that makes sense i mean like all these are brand new norms that i think everybody's trying to figure out and, and you know um you know talk about newer trends 
when you think about freelance work and, and kind of how that's starting to kind of shape at least smaller businesses, um, I know a lot of companies are looking for out people, you know, people to kind of outsource. Um, do you see that as a trend that's going to keep catching on or is it something that you think people are going to be looking to have more employees? We got a lot of things going on a little bit further south than you in the state where they're trying to stop a lot of freelance work happening. And, um, but, but, but I'm just curious from your take, do you, is that a trend that, you know, um, you kind of see on the uptick or, or do you think it's something that's going to kind of level off? That's another one where I don't really know because I think there's sort of two forces that are colliding. Yes. One is, one is just the gig economy in general where there's a lot of professionals who want this freelance lifestyle. They want to be able to do um, software development while traveling through Asia, right? They want to be able to write articles for their customers wherever they are. Um, but then there's, there's also these state laws that are really crystal clear about the, the difference between a W-2 employee and a contract. And a lot of people think that there's some gray area there and there really, there really is gray area. Most people, like when a company says, we want you to be a 29 um, I would say a good portion of they're not even close to able to that test. It should be a W-2. Wow. And so, um, and, and each state is different. I can really only speak to Oregon, but um, unless you are clearly running your own business and you, uh, you're a sole proprietor, you advertise as a sole proprietor, and you're running, your business is different than the core business of, of a company you're doing work for, then you should be a W-2 no matter what an employer wants to classify you as. So I'm thinking that at some point there's going to be sort of a reckoning between yeah. those two forces, and I don't know how it's going to turn out. But California might be an interesting example to watch. It is. It, it is. You know, it's, um, it, it'd be, you know, it obviously first started with like Lyft and Uber. Um, they wanted to kind of have them, you know, have their own workers union basically. Um, and, and, but then it's, but then once you start getting deeper into that conversation, it, you know, ripples into a gang of industries, right? Like hairstylists to writers, to marketing guys, to even guys that are just like temporary, you know, sales reps, you know, I mean, I mean, so trying to figure out how that looks and, and, and really how that's going to shape in the whole modern day workforce is going to be super interesting. Yeah. I mean, I just, uh, we do a pretty good job of explaining to our employer clients that, you know, if they want like a 10, they, they'll call it, you know, we want a 1099 employee and we'll explain to them, there's no such thing as a 1099 employee. It, it doesn't exist. That's like saying I want a blue red, like they're <laughs> two opposites. Um, and so we'll send them over some of these like, notes that that you know we've taken from these employment boot camps and there are really big consequences uh not only will you have to pay employees back taxes but fines associated with it too wow and so yeah i mean it can get real nasty if if um if you don't handle it right and all it takes is one disgruntled 1099 um to report you and then the state's going to be in your business for a long time 
Wow. Wow. I mean, well, well, you know, it's really good that you kind of bring that up because I mean, obviously this is becoming big, a much bigger legal uh, matter than it has been like in the past with so many people wanting to do it, but the regulation isn't there set for them to kind of just freely, you know, allow employers to go pick them up. Right. I mean, so really good that you kind of brought that up. The fact that there is very little gray area because people think that there's a lot of gray <laughs> whenever you talk to them. Yeah. People I've talked to. But like, yeah. I actually, I mean, I love the idea that Uber and Lyft let all these people become drivers for them. And it was, you know, they didn't have a manager. There was no set time. You click a button, yep. right? And I totally get the appeal. And I mean, I've had plenty of friends where I said, man, you should go drive for Uber and Lyft right now in your situation. Yep. Uh, but I do think California is correct. Maybe not ideologically. Mm-hmm. I don't really like the California law, yeah. but I think legally they're correct. I mean, if you are serving the function of what an employee would do, um, you really are an employee. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm interested. No, no, it's going to be interesting, man. I mean, you, you know, um, Thinking about your industry as well, do you guys help place other type of freelancers? Is that something that other freelancers could look to you for, for that type of assistance or, or not so much because you're more so working with employees only? So there's two sides of my business. Uh, sales first is the larger side of my business because it's been established for a while. Um, and that's all direct hire, uh, W-2 employment. Um, and so there's rarely any freelance work that that we do unless we find a freelancer and then place them as the w-2 but we launched another side of the house uh, called hiring stint and there we can certainly do a lot of work with freelancers Um, but in probably most of the cases we would end up employing them and paying them while they would go do freelance work for our customers. Got it. So more so where you're operating as the actual, um, almost like staffing agent. Is that the right way to say it? Where you kind of put them on your That is. Yeah, and then it's That's exactly it. Got it, okay. Yeah. How's that business, like, so I'm really curious about that, about that part of the business too. So how's that evolving? Do you, are, are you working with other companies that are like, hey, I would love to have you guys just take over this little piece of the business for us. And then maybe if we like Joe or whoever it is, we can kind of bring them on. Yeah. So there's, so the reason why we started hiring stint is because over the last eight years, we've said no to so much business uh, because we wanted to really stay true to our vision. Yeah. And I've looked back and wondered, what if I would have said yes to that and taken the time back then to build out that part of the business? Like Adidas called us once and asked, you know, can you place, can you do a whole bunch of marketing staffing for us and you employ them? And, and we said, uh, no, you should talk to this other company. And there's later we were kicking ourselves. We're like, why didn't we just say yes and do it? And, um, Hometown but, heroes, but the, well, not oh. really. It's like she actually the other way around. <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 I see why you guys. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so, uh, but during this pen was looking for a pivot. I did to open up new streams of revenue. And I was also really, I was really sort of taken aback by the amount of my fellow recruiters that got let go mm-hmm. during this pandemic. 
And I just saw so many peers and clients go from being really oh, like, I mean, it seemed like it all happened over the course of a month, right? And and so I originally created hiring stint not only to say but also my fellow recruiters get back to work. And um, we're we're moving somebody into a full-time sales role for hiring stint come January. And we're going to be really, really focused on getting contract recruiters back to work. And they'd be on our payroll. And then they could do a number of different things for clients that don't want to have to pay out individual fees per hire, but instead just pay somebody an hourly rate to recruit for a lot of different positions for them. And so, and that will be more national too. No brainer right there, man. I love that model, Adam. Yeah, I mean, I mean. Cool, yeah. Well, and you know what it is too, though? It's the, it's the purpose behind it. You know, when you're talking about people that were unemployed, some of your friends, and this is an opportunity for you to kind of help out. And it's a win-win-win, it seems like, you know? That's what I'm hoping for. And, I mean, it's going to be, um, no matter what, anytime you start something new and you want it to succeed, like you just have to be able, you have to commit to experiencing a certain amount of pain to see it through. Yeah. And so... It is, it's going to feel good once we succeed and have the same sort of reputation that sales first has, but it's going to be really hard. There's going to be a lot of pain. There's going to be a lot of bumps and bruises along the way. And uh, so we're, we're all sort of preparing for it. Like, cause it's going to get tough, but it'll be fun though too. No, hundred percent, man. I mean, like, you know what, as we wrap up though, I mean, you have to press in a little bit on that pain a little bit because I'm a new entrepreneur as well you know, and going through that painful process, it is, it is this birthing pains that, that I think every entrepreneur goes through at some point. Right. Um, so once so you talk about trying to commit, is that a, a, a five-year thing, a 10-year thing or a two-week thing for you? <laughs> I'm just curious because I'm, on oh, okay. I'm, I'm in and out. No, <laughs> so amazing question. Yeah. Amazing question because I was with this uh, group of fellow entrepreneurs and I was, um, I was telling them about some fears I had in creating a new division because we've, you know, we've tried creating new products, new divisions in the past and, and, you know, they, they weren't as successful as sales first at its core. Mm-hmm. And my buddy, my buddy, owns this company called West Coast Sailing asked me, he goes, well, Adam, did, did you experience enough of the pain to make sure that it was successful? And I thought about that for a second. I was like, no, I, I just hired somebody and I said, do this for us. And I, I kind of transferred the pain to somebody else. Mm. And that's what's going to be different. I'll never forget what about that question because it doesn't keep me up at night if I don't hot mouth at the end of the day and don't give it a solid two years minimum of just hard work and grinding, mm. it, it probably will not succeed. And so that would be my question to any fellow entrepreneurs when they want to try something new is, are you willing to experience the pain for X amount of years? Man, you know, um, I got nothing else to add to that <laughs> because it's, it's just truth. I, I'm working on, on this current project and I have a business partner and both of us kind of split it up, but I really dumped on him. You know, I was like, man, he's like, Henry, you can do it, man. Go out there, just, you know, run it. Right. And, and he's doing yeah. his thing. 
And I'm just like, I'm like, well, why isn't that doing this? And why isn't that doing that? But he's the one really in it all, you know, all day long. Right. And yeah. I'm the guy that's kind of in the background and I'm like, all right, I need to get my hands dirty. I can't just dump this on, on, on my, on my friend to say, you, you manage, you handle, you stay up at night, you go have a cotton mouth, as you said. Right. I mean, it's something that I think is going to, if it's going to work, it's going to take everyone to kind of be all in. It seems like, so I love that advice, man. Totally. Cool. <laughs> Well, Adam, man, so please tell the audience how to find you. Tell them about both of your businesses because I'm assuming now they have two, you know, different looks and two different websites to it. Yeah, so um, so salesfirstrooting.com is our website and, and that company focuses on finding sales professionals for our employer clients. And we have offices in Portland, Phoenix, and Denver. And we pretty much cover the entire nation. And hiring stint is really focused on really getting many different professionals back to work in a staffing capacity, but really putting a lot of love and attention into getting our, our friends and recruiting back to work. And uh, so that's just hirestint.com and, um, and we run those out of all of our different offices too. Love that, man. Hiringstent.com. Yeah, I, I love both models, obviously. Me being a straight sales guy, um, you know, it's always great work with people that have so much experience in the field like yourself, man. So I want to thank you again for coming on to the podcast. I mean, keep up the whole veganism too, man. I mean, it's looking good on you, bro. It's been tough for me to try to pull that off. I, I might last a couple of weeks, but um, no, me, I get burnt out. <laughs> Start looking for that, uh, you know, uh, a bird or, you know, a brontosaurus again somewhere. I'll, I'll say this. Yeah. Veganism has been easy, easy for me, and I don't know why. Um, and I went, I mean, I was carnivore. I mean, I was responsible for deaths of like like five million chickens in my life. And um, and like I would go to El Gaucho, the steakhouse in town, and they, you know, they knew my name when I walked in. Yeah. And so I lost probably 80 pounds by just committing to health. And a lot of that was through veganism. Although you can be unhealthy and vegan too. Red vines are vegan. Sure. vegan. Sure. <laughs> uh, so it's about, still about being healthy, but, um, but I will say this, it hasn't been without some consequences. My, my different healthcare professionals have been on me for the past year to get back into strength training because I've lost so much muscle too. Yeah. And so, I'm way back into strength training now, but um, I've noticed, I think my body recovers faster as a vegan than it did as an omnivore, wow. but I still got a ways to go because I think I lost so much, but. No, man. Well, I mean, I mean, I mean look, you know, um, different things hit, hit people differently at different times in their life too, right? So if it's working yeah. for you and it feels right, then it's the win, you know? I mean, and then a moment, maybe if it doesn't, then maybe you go back to, you know, hanging out at those. Yeah. Oh, oh God, shows, man. I mean, but I'll take you, I'll take you there when you, when you come back to, to PDX. Absolutely, man. You know what? One of these days I'll be back there, hopefully this year, if not early next year. But I mean, hopefully you guys stay safe. Make sure that, you know, make sure that you guys keep the mask on, all the rest of that good stuff, just because all the smoke is so heavy out this way. But otherwise, man, it was always great catching up, Adam. Joe, you rock. Good times. <laughs>